Coming up in this episode of Abundantly Charged, what are we doing with curiosity and wonder? Where did it go? Stay tuned. Welcome to our second season of Abundantly Charged. We're your hosts, Dr. Grant Chandler, CEO of Students Matter, and Jill Lewis, CEO of Brilliance and Beyond. As we begin to think about life on the other side of a global pandemic, we realize that everything in life is forever changed. We are all in the midst of creating new routines in all aspects of our lives, from how we shop, to how we socialize, to how we travel, and spend our free time. We are contemplating new ways to think about how we integrate work and home, and even how we educate our children. We've learned our children cannot and should not be measured on high-stakes tests alone. There are multiple ways to connect with our students, and we need to move away from a one-size-fits-all approach to teaching and learning. We need to engage our students in pedagogy and experiences that respect each student's human desire to learn, and that the cultivation of curiosity and wonder in our curriculum and in our instruction invites each of our students to experience profound relevance and connection to the people and the world around them. Join us as we explore how to cultivate wonder and curiosity in abundantly charged classrooms. And Hello and welcome to Abundantly Charged. I'm Dr. Grant Chandler. And I'm Jill Lewis. And together, Grant and I are very excited to welcome you to the second season of this podcast. You know, last week we explored wonder, the act of investigating or exploring that for which we have curiosity. At the end of the episode, we really tried to define the difference for uh, for what we believe the difference is between wonder and curiosity as we define those terms. The difference is this. Wonder is active and doing and thinking and feeling. It is the investigation. We see wonder as a verb. Curiosity, on the other hand, is a state of mind, a noun, a thing. And once that curiosity has been met by the act of wonder, synonymous with investigation, the curiosity or state of mind is satisfied simply because you now know. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that we become more curious and want to dig deeper, right? But that is the, it is the balance between curiosity as a state of mind and wonder as the verb that really talks about investigation and exploration. So far this season, one of the common threads about cultivating curiosity and wonder is that curiosity and the act of wondering must reside with students. This week, let's think about what happens when we teach only right and wrong answers, when we teach the right way to think, when we teach skills, often identified as the standards, without thinking about what we use those skills and standards for. Now, what happens when our end result is proving proficiency of skills on high level, high stakes assessments? We actually perpetuate a lack of curiosity and we also create less opportunities to wonder. 
you know, that's a, <laughs> I, I think for some people listening, it's probably like, Oh, Oh my goodness. Right. Because a lot of the, a lot of the way we've been taught a lot of the focus on high stakes assessments and standards, you know, if you really break those standards down, those standards are skills. They're absolutely skills. And we're going to talk about that uh, in, in just a little bit um, because a lot of what we do with really, really good intentions is really destroying curiosity and opportunities to wonder. Mm-hmm. And when we think about that, I'm, I'm immediately going to looking at the types of thinking we're asking students to do when we're just focused specifically on the standards. The type of thinking is really mostly lower level thinking, and we need to get students into those upper levels of thinking and that hierarchy, that, that tip of the hierarchy, so that they're evaluating and they're thinking and they're not only using that application of the skills, but then what do they do with it? And that's really where we need them to go because that creates that wonderment, that creates that curiosity to figure out what do I need to do? How do I need to wonder about this particular topic? Absolutely. And, and of course, it it's all about where do the questions, where does the curiosity, where does it reside? Does it reside and guided by the teacher or does it reside with students? So what does it look like when we pursue only that which has a right or wrong answer? There's no reason to be curious. There's no reason to explore because somebody is just going to identify the right answer for us, right? And so you see things like teachers asking questions while only some try to respond. And it's the same kids who always have their, always have their hands up because they're eager to, they're eager to, to share and they're eager to, to show the teacher uh, that they know what it is that's being asked. It, it, it's passive engagement or even mild engagement or even disengagement by many. And a lot of students are simply waiting for someone else to give the answer. They see the teacher as the holder of knowledge and students either try to demonstrate that, oh yeah, we're learning too, or they just disengage. You know, I'd also like to go so far as to say, you know, it this kind of, of way that we look at engagement um, when students are raising their hands because teachers are asking questions, we're missing a key group of kids. We're missing those that um, are introverts. And when we're missing the introverted students, they're the ones who are doing so much thinking, but they're not necessarily sharing it in that large group. So by doing this and having those students respond to questions um, in that manner, the same way over and over, we're really missing some like half the class of of really strong thinkers. So we've got to be thinking about how this wonderment, even of how we move about our way we teach and the way we ask questions and the way we get our students to engage looks really different. And and we're not saying, so, you know, a lot of you who are listening are like, oh, wait a minute. You know, I ask questions. There's a time and place for guiding thinking, right? There's a time and place for asking questions. It's when that is all that we do, when we don't, when we don't transfer, when we're asking questions of students, there's no curiosity there. We know all the answers. 
right? There's no curiosity on our part. We're simply guiding thinking. And what we want to do is, is bring curiosity back. And that resides with students, not with, not with teachers. What does it look like when we teach the right way to think? Ooh, telling students what and how to think stifles curiosity and eliminates the need to investigate. Here's some examples. We tell them the steps to solve a math problem. We tell them the steps to complete a science investigation, and we tell them what we want them to see as they do it. We tell them what to read and how that connects to an essential question or a thought or a theme or a a particular unit. And we give them formulaic writing templates as if the world uses those templates outside of academia. As I hear you sharing these different ways, Grant, I'm I'm really like pulling it in and I'm thinking about what it is as I'm teaching. What am I doing as I'm teaching? How am I moving students through this? And, and I can say, I'm like, oh, check the steps to a math problem. You bet. Check, you know, the science investigation. Check um, an essential question. Check, which also helps with engagement. So we're not saying that these are all bad. They're not bad because these are things that we have to do. This is part of moving students along that continuum of learning. It is that guided process that we have to do. Absolutely. Yet we have to come back to creating that balance of here's the information they need in terms of the knowledge and and how to move forward. But now what do we do to release them into taking that curiosity and taking that wonderment and being able to allow them to think differently. Absolutely. None of these are, they're not, none of these are wrong on their own. And there's an element where absolutely, you know, kids don't just learn how to solve a math problem, you know, magically, we have to teach them steps to solving math problems. And then we have to give them opportunities to pursue math problems without the guide of here's the way to do it, right? Here's the way to do it. So we've, this is, you know, when I, as I was reading these and thinking about them and 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 putting them out there in the universe here, I was thinking, you know, these are very much DOK level one. Mm -hmm. These are all about knowledge acquisition, which is absolutely a hundred percent important, but then we got to move to knowledge application, knowledge analysis, and knowledge augmentation. And that we do when we peak the curiosity of students, when curiosity lives within the hearts and minds of our students. You know, here's an example, Grant. It was it was interesting. So my children have been given some um, math problems to work through over the summer just to stay fresh. Um, they've also been given two books that they need to read as well as then complete a report on it. Um, and this is, they're going into seventh grade. And yesterday, our daughter was working on a specific math problem and it was fractions. And, and she's like, mom, the answer key says, I'm not right. And I'm like, well, check it again. And she's like, mom, it's, it's, this is the answer I got. So I looked at it and I'm like, well, this is the correct answer. And then my husband got it and he's like, well, this is right as well. So it was really fascinating to see how she was so focused on how can this not be right? This is right. This is right. But the answer key was not correct. 
And she was so frustrated and so upset. And it was, well, write a note to your teachers saying this problem is accurate. I found the answer. The answer key is wrong. I've had three people check it. So she was evaluating it and she kept going back. But what I loved about it was that she stuck to her guns, that she did solve it correctly, but there was so much thinking and evaluating that went into that for her to come to that conclusion. And those are kind of the places that we want to go so that she really decides for herself that, yes, this is accurate because I know how numbers work. I know what that process was involved. And now she has a way to share with her with her teachers that this is why I think this is right. Absolutely. Our last example, you know, what does it look like when we teach only skills? Ooh, this is <laughs> this is fundamental, and it certainly is commonplace, you know, all all over the place in ca- in classrooms all over the country. What does it look like when we're teaching skills and learning to demonstrate them is simply rote, right? Um, we're teaching, you know, we're we're, we're teaching uh, how to cite how to cite information from a text. It doesn't matter what the what the what the skill is. A lot of the a lot of the standards although they're really, really important, these standards, they're skills, right? And in a lot of places, the standard becomes the end result. And that requires neither curiosity nor wonder. I can teach you how to do a skill, whether that skill is in ELA, math, science, social studies, world language, art, PE, whatever, right? But if it's just a skill, and we don't understand the why behind it, right? We see lots of drill and kill, repetition and practice. We see a lot of students going through the motions, being compliant and trying to do what it is they're being asked to do to learn that skill because it's going to be measured multiple times throughout, you know, throughout a unit, throughout uh, a grade level, a course, and certainly on those high stakes assessments. But they often don't understand why what they're doing why the skill they're learning has any relevance to their interests, to their lives, and even to their own learning. Grant, this is this is where it goes back to from 1760 to 1840, when the Industrial Revolution was in place. This is what we as educators or the educational system created. It created that drill and kill, that repetition and practice to prepare people going into the workforce during the Industrial Revolution. And what what is interesting is, yes, there are pockets that have changed within our system, but overall, the system still has not changed. And as a world, we have changed but our educational system hasn't. And so we need to go ahead and get and put back that curiosity and wonder in our classrooms because there's so many different opportunities that we have evolved into that if we don't change that part, we are just putting kids through a system that is not going to prepare them for life outside of it. Yeah, when you think about you think about our educational system, it was really designed, it was designed to 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 teach at high levels in elite few, and everybody else was was going to be a follower. They were going to be a worker. They were going to be a uh, they were going to follow in society. And 
absolutely we haven't really we haven't really shifted that and you know what do you hear a lot about are from teachers are complaints about kids who are skill deficient and disengaged in in their learning right and they were really struggling to to get the kid and the group of students to be able to demonstrate the skill so maybe part of the reason we're struggling so much is not necessarily because we don't know how to teach the skill, right? It's because we haven't we haven't given kids curiosity and wonder, and we haven't created opportunities for them to take the skill and use it in phenomenal ways. Remember what we talked about last week. What do students need to be equipped with in order to wonder, to think about, to study, to explore something that is interesting, challenging, and relevant to their lives. Remember this because we talked a lot about this in the last episode. They need strong executive function skills. They need strong and ongoingly developed social and emotional wellness. They need 21st century skills like reading, writing, problem solving, and collaboration. They need to know how to learn, how to make their thinking public, how to document changes in their thinking, and how to engage in academic conversations with their peers and with their teachers who are facilitating their learning. And we won't get them to that level if we don't give them back curiosity and the time and space to wonder. Curiosity and wonder must permeate every aspect of learning in our classrooms. Today, students' voice, autonomy, and drive must dictate how why, and what we teach daily. When this happens, students engage and answer the big question, what in the world do I want to explore today? Thank you so much for joining Jill and me today. Until next time, let's remain abundantly charged. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Abundantly Charged. New episodes drop every Tuesday afternoon, beginning May 17th and running through June 28th. Jill and I will take a short break and we'll return with season three in August. Join the Abundantly Charged virtual community, which launches July 1st. If you would like subscription information, email us at abundantlycharged at gmail.com. Abundantly Charged is a production of Students Matter LLC and Brilliance and Beyond LLC. Our show's theme music, Something Different, was written and performed by Reve and obtained through soundstripe.com. Like what you hear? Make sure you never miss an episode. You can subscribe to this podcast on either iTunes or Spotify, and it can also be found on our website at https colon forward slash forward slash abundantly dash charged dot captivate dot fm forward slash episodes if you like our show please leave us a review we would love to hear what you like until next time remember let's remain abundantly charged